Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwell of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwell of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. Hi, I'm Ben Harrison. Something unusual happened to me this morning. Mm. Would you like to hear about it? Did some, uh, some food that you ordered and paid for yourself get delivered to your house and not to someone across the street? No. <laughs> a different part of the food consumption process I think you could say. <laughs> what is this story? <laughs> I was on the turlet this morning. Oh, great. This is how everybody hopes an episode of our show will start. <laughs> Coffee had begun to do its thing. Oh. So I'm in there. Hold on. And I'm doing to- hold, hold on. I'm I'm writing this down. You've got to slow down so I can get every detail. <laughs> I'm getting it done. For me, it's going to take multiple flushes, all Mm. right? Wow. So I would say in my process, my own process of uh, motility. Your process of elimination. I want that title. (laughs) (laughs) So in my own process of elimination, (laughs) I hit the, uh, the flusher about halfway through. Nothing. That is... This, I, you didn't tell me this was a horror story. And I don't know why. Like, nothing happens. The sound of water, you know how like you can hear the tank fill? Mm-hmm. Nothing's going on. Nothing's happening. It's all disconnected. Let me tell you something, man. The bowl was full. <laughs> and I'm looking at my situation Jesus. like, I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I don't know what's happening either. I don't know what to do about this. Where are we? What's going on? All right. So without going into too much detail, I need to I need to leave. Without going into too much detail, I would say that we crossed that particular Rubicon about 20 minutes before we even started the show. So I, I cleaned myself up. I went over to the sink, turned on the sink faucets. Nothing there. I go out into the kitchen. I turn on the faucet out there. Nothing. You know when your your water's turned off, usually there's like a a spitting faucet situation? Yeah, or like rattles or there's like weird airy noises or something. This is like a water blackout or something. There's just nothing. There's Dang. nothing happening. And you know there has been construction up and down my street for like two months. Yeah. Yeah, they were digging up the uh, the street right in front of your house right right when you moved in, right? I text my neighbor. We're on a text basis. I'm like, hey. <laughs> is this the one that's receiving your your meals or a different no, neighbor? <laughs> this is a different neighbor. I'm like, hey, what happened to the water? And he's like, I had to step out of a shower halfway through. Like wow. my shower just turned off. <laughs> to answer the door when the guy came to tell me that they were going to shut off the water. Mm. And I was like, wrong order. Man, <laughs> I've got a shit-filled toilet that I can't flush. Wow. And he's like, he's like, yeah, the uh, the guy said it was going to be a half an hour. And I was like, how can you turn off the water before telling us that you're turning off the water? Yeah, yeah. He, 
they got us both. They got us both in very different, difficult ways. Yeah. But not fun to have a surprise water turn off. What would you would you prefer his situation or yours? Because he's probably oh, he got is, like absolutely. shampoo in his hair and he's like clammy. You can't really like towel off when you're covered in soap. Yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of can, but it's like, it's gross. We both can wipe, but my job is a lot faster. I right, guess. right. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm also just wondering why they knocked on his door and not yours. I know. <laughs> I know. I can't explain it. And not only that, no one ever knocked on my door. They yeah. just knocked on his. Dang. Weak. Yeah. So I had to tell my wife who lives and works at home with me, do not, do not go into our bathroom. <laughs> you will never think of me the same again. <laughs> you will finally see in me the decaying bag of flesh that I see in myself. Yeah. Yeah. And fortunately she didn't. Just as fortunately, a half an hour later, the water came back on a really really good feeling flush happened at that point. Yeah, wow. A relief, a relieving flush even. And uh, the danger was over. That's really tremendous, Adam. Well, I'm so glad you shared that uh, powerful anecdote with us. That story really had something for everyone in it. Yeah. Everyone poops. I think people are going to like it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th I mean, I'm getting emails already from the people viewing at home that they love that story they really don't want us to talk about Star Trek Voyager today. They would rather just re-listen to that part on a loop. It's so popular. Yeah, I think people like my stories, Ben. I'm seeing that the uh, <laughs> process of elimination t-shirt is flying off the shelves over at podshop.biz. Podshop.biz? Listen to you and your big head with running water 24 hours a day, man. You don't know what that's like. I have the kind of the opposite problem. I have too much water over here. Oh, yeah. There's basically like a three foot deep trench dug all the way around the garage building where I record the episode. <laughs> wow. Right now. Yeah. They really went to work, huh? Yeah. And then like the, the driveway is all dug up. It's a goddamn nightmare over here. And uh, a lot of mud. Basically impossible to go out and get some work done without tracking a bunch of mud into the house. So I've been getting a lot of uh, flack for... Is that mud behind you? I thought it was crud. <laughs> I guess it looks like mud. Yeah, a little bit of both. Wow. Get some water, wipe off that crud. But enough about me, enough about my mud, enough about your mud. Let's talk about <laughs> the muddy muddle of different characters living inside of Seven of Nine's brain, Adam. I can't believe you were able to pivot. <laughs> Just world-class pivot right there by you, Ben. Nicely done. Let's get into Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 7. <laughs> you just hit Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 8. If you like King Infinite Bring it Regress. Oh. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. Seven of Nine is having what sort of seems like a nightmare at the beginning of this and pops off of her uh, charging mat and uh, starts walking around the cargo bay. I feel like there should be like a, a an HGTV show dedicated to people that live like Seven, like come in and turn this kind of utilitarian, you know, semi-brutal Spartan 
environment into something a little bit more homey and livable. Yeah. It's all just technology and barrels in there. I mean, it is an open floor plan. You can say that about this. Yeah, they did put in the beam, (laughs) (laughs) open the space up, and it feels so much bigger. Yeah. Even though technically the, you know, square footage stayed the same. Seven can cook and entertain in a space like this. Mm -hmm. And she can see the little ones from the kitchen, which is so important for making new memories. Right. (laughs) Do you ever wake up hungry the way Seven does? I can't remember the last time I got up and like went to the fridge and like did the midnight snack thing. Yeah, yeah. I definitely haven't gone to the fridge and and gone like full liver king. (laughs) (laughs) hunk of meat the whole feast for a whole beast (laughs) maybe that's what it takes to get a a natural body like liver king yeah will people even know what liver king is by the time this episode comes out or is that going to be so deep in the past i hope not yeah Uh, (laughs) we're dating ourselves with liver king references we really are yeah this happened when that liver king story came out (laughs) this is one of those stage acting assignments where the instructor prompt is like okay now Walk around like you're hungry. And Jerry Ryan like walks like she's hungry. Now walk around like you're sad. <laughs> now show me anxious. Yeah. And if you think that that's where this episode is going to stop giving different characterizations to Jerry Ryan on yeah. the fly, think again. I love how when Seven finally reaches the mess hall and starts throwing the Star Trek food around, you can hardly blame her because Star Trek food is not appetizing. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Eat a wooden bowl of ginger? No thanks. <laughs> like, why is that put out like people might walk by and get a ginger and then walk around eating it? <laughs> Does Neelix think that ginger and apples are interchangeable? Delicious. <laughs> yeah. That job that I had when we first started The Greatest Generation, terrible job. But the one, like, really amazing perk was- You're talking about editing The Greatest Generation? (laughs) The one perk was that the receptionist uh, was responsible for putting snacks in the little employee lunchroom area. Mm -hmm. And she took great delight in finding interesting fruit to put out there. Oh. So like every day there was like a variety of grape that I'd never encountered before or like some interesting exotic fruit and she would like, you know, sometimes put out a little instructional card about how to eat it. It was it was great. I need that in my life again. I would almost consider working a Joe job if that was a perk. I really love that that person, you know, instead of turning what could be a thankless job into a truly thankless job, like put their personality into it. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, it, it was a, a bright and shiny light for everyone else to enjoy. Did you ever tell this person how much you appreciated that? I told her many times. She was a real delight. She was a, a pleasure to see on my way into work every day. That rules. Yeah. So did you get a crazy grip at some point? I did. I got. They had those long grapes one time. Have you ever seen those? Oh, I love a long grape. Yeah. That was the first time I ever tried grapes that tasted like cotton candy. Yeah. There was all kinds of interesting fruits there, like citrus fruits that I'd never encountered before that were good. When people talk about top fruits, yeah, people rarely say grip. Grape is consistent. I think that- I know. I think the highs just aren't as high for a grape as, say, a peach, but- I like how you know a shitty grape by looking at it, too. Like, if it's shriveled- Yeah. 
you just don't eat the shriveled grape, but every unshriveled grape is good. You just eat it and know that it's a raisin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like the floor is so high for a grape. Yeah. High floor, but some, somewhat lower ceiling, I guess. Right. You can have the twiggy part. I don't like eating that. Mm, yeah. That part that part can suck a lemon. I like the the like steady cam wonders that they gave this scene. Like the the way the camera kind of floats around and follows Seven as she goes about her meat quest. I mean, this isn't the first one of those. I thought the camera work this episode was notable yeah. and good. Yeah, it was really cool. While she's tearing into this hunk of meat, we see a reflection and her face is melting. And uh, you know, she she looks at it and she's ha- haunted by it. She knows that one day she will die in a reactor accident <laughs> or perhaps a face worse than death. She won't die. <laughs> and she'll be in a beeping chair for the rest of her life. Do you think they're like the idea of the metaverse being what it is? Do you think there's a universe where it's just beeping chairs? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it's not the mirror universe. It's the beeper universe. It is. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Beaker universe, which is just a a Muppets related. Everybody's a Muppet scientist. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I I take the Beaker universe over the Honeydew universe any day of the week, though. Yeah, Honeydew can get fucked. <laughs> Speaking of fruit that sucks, I like that this is a moment like so many in the cold open, you're you're sort of taught how to experience the episode. This reflection is important because it has you for the rest of the episode looking for these reflections. Honeydew melon, how about honey don't ever? <laughs> <laughs> I love your Rolf. That's really one of the best. That was Stadler and Waldorf. <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> Rolf, Rolf is more like this. Oh, I love out of tune piano. It's a, it's a distinct impression. They're very different. You're right. <laughs> They're different in the ways your face looks. Mm, yeah. And, and in no other way. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> we're, uh, we're in a McLaughlin group after the theme. Issue one. This time, uh, Kim's leading. His visual aid is showing a massive field of debris that they seem to be heading towards. It looks like an asteroid field, but it's not. Those aren't asteroids. No. Uh, This Ain't Asteroids is a film that Ensign Kim is showing the group, and they're like, Ensign, this is not appropriate for a war gathering. (laughs) There's just an 80s video arcade and orgy happening there. (laughs) They really are out of ideas, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. (laughs) So yeah, they're heading toward a a debris cloud of a Borg cube, and uh, hard to imagine what could cause a Borg cube to come apart like this. But Neelix has problems as well, Adam. Return of the midnight snacker? I'm afraid so. There's been another incident in the mess hall, and uh, I really love the low-key dragging of Tuvok in this scene, the way Neelix really expresses his displeasure with the security situation on board the ship. (laughs) Since Commander Tuvok has been unable to round up any suspects, I'd like to ask that stronger measures be taken. It would seem to me as though Neelix is developing a kind of 
character in meetings that is very unwelcome. And that is the one more thing guy. Right, right. You think the McLaughlin group's over. You think you can go back to work. But there's fucking Neelix there with his one more thing that doesn't have anything to do with anything that no one cares about whatsoever. You're like, thank fucking God I put this hot dog in the sleeve of my shirt. I I don't think anyone's going to care about the stolen ginger, <laughs> Neelix. But he wants to lock up the food. Yeah, he's uh he, he wants he wants permission from the captain to replicate locks for the cabinets like he wants to childproof the uh, the restaurant area. Yeah. Uh instead of putting a camera up, I guess, or asking the computer who the last person in the room was that would seem to be an available security inquiry that they could make and uh, nobody does i think <laughs> i think that's a reflection of how little anyone gives a shit about this problem though yeah they can't be bothered to ask the computer like tuvok claps back at neelix with a, oh yeah like let's send some armed guys down there to watch it and it's like clearly a joke right has anyone attempted to steal the vegetable broth <laughs> <laughs> After the meeting, Seven is walking back to the ass lab, presumably, but uh, is getting stalked by an alien. It's Naomi Wildman, Adam. I thought her character was behind us. (laughs) Much like Seven of Nine thinks in this scene. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately... Naomi is a going concern, and uh, she isn't as sneaky as she thinks she is. No, she she's caught dead to rights by Seven, and uh, when she goes to explain herself why she is uh, attempting to make an observation of the ship's Borg crew member, uh, it's because she wants to achieve perfection much like a Borg to help her in her studies so that she can become the captain's assistant. And... Uh, That actually kind of goes over great with Seven. (laughs) Your objective is admirable. Naomi's obsession with rank and career is kind of sad at this age, I think. Yeah. I mean, she is a kid that's surrounded by adults that are, so it's kind of understandable. But But her goal is to be someone's assistant? That's a sad goal. That's like one rung on her way to captain. She's... (laughs) She's trying to be captain by the time they get back to... I mean, she she's thinking about her future, Adam. She's like, if we make it back to the A-Quad, I want a, like a little bit of status when we get there, you know? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to be here now. I'm not trying to think about being captain when the ship pulls in the port. Yeah. But I guess if you've got uh, 70 years to wait, it's smart. Oh, but it's only 60 now, right? Because they saved 10 years uh, yeah. in Timeless, right? But she's half Lizard King. Like, she's going to age super fast, isn't she? Yeah. She'll be dead before then. (laughs) Well, if they get one timeless season going forward. That's true. You know, she might stand a chance. She'd be very old, relatively speaking. But uh, Seven humors her far more than I was expecting. Yeah. As far as, like, being victimized by Naomi's constant questions. Uh, she gets a, a head zap while they're talking and sort of takes on the aspect of an imaginary friend in a way that was really scary. Hello, Clara. Hi. Yeah, I didn't like that. She really makes an Isabella of Naomi. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. 
I mean, to an adult, that's known as uh, kid cucking, right? <laughs> when you're making Isabella out of someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're off playing a game called Cadiscat, and Naomi's talking about all the like rules of the federation that she knows. She's like memorizing the uh, Starfleet employee handbook. It's sad. Seven of Nine's personality in this scene is not one of somebody that gives any shits about that type of stuff. Yeah. And she also says she hates Borgs. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd get that. Even if it if it were Seven, I would expect that kind of opinion. Yeah. I just want everybody that ever criticized us for pluralizing Borgs to get off our fucking nuts. Yeah. Because if Seven of Nine did it, it's fucking canonical. Cadiscott has got a reflective surface, and I think this is important because when you look <laughs> into it, you can see the reflection of the personality that Seven has taken on. Yeah, it's a real uh, quantum leap technology here. (laughs) (laughs) BLT calls Seven on her communicator, and Seven totally blows off this call. Yeah, until she doesn't, right? It's like ignoring the call until she kind of snaps to and then is, you know, eager to get down there. And... uh, BLT is like, damn, Seven, you look fucked up. What's going on? Are you sleeping at night? This dialogue felt so out of place to me. People don't often comment on another character's relative sheveledness, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Damn, Seven, I'm used to you looking hot as hell. What is this? You look like shit. You have like three hairs out of place on the top of your head. Maybe you should get to sickbay. Yeah, I mean, that was another thing, too. I didn't know what BLT was talking about here. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes they'll put on the I didn't sleep makeup or like prosthetic eye bags or whatever. It didn't look like that had happened here. Or must the hair. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do any of it. Like, hair and makeup wasn't reading the script that day. Yeah. They're looking at this frequency that BLT has picked up on. It's a Borg frequency that has something to do with neural links. And so they're talking about like, oh yeah, that must be like what what keeps whacking me. And Seven like is explaining to BLT like, yeah, I'm like super disoriented right now and I'm like losing my memory. And she turns around and kind of like stops talking mid-sentence. We see her reflection looking all Klingon in one of the panels. And then she turns around and starts like doing the type of hitting on that Klingons do to each other. Yeah, very season one Star Trek The Next Generation, like those kind of Klingons. She's from a world now alien to me. Right. And, uh, you know, BLT is like, Seven, is this your idea of sex? (laughs) Did she draw blood? She got a cheek bite, didn't she? But, like, you don't see blood. Yeah. I was really disappointed in BLT, like, not picking up on what was going on. Like Seven is literally in the middle of telling her about like losing memory and being disoriented when this happens. And then BLT is like, what's going on here? (laughs) All I did was tell her she looked like shit and now she's trying to bite me? Yeah. Usually nagging works way better. (laughs) BLT has been taking like pickup artist classes. Yeah. I love the energy of Jerry Ryan for the whole episode, really, but in this scene specifically, like how she just gets the fuck out of there, shoving her way through security and like hightailing it out into the corridor. It's great. It's hard to run like a Klingon when your uniform includes super high heel shoes, though. 
I think that's the challenge to this whole thing is Jerry Ryan always looks like seven of nine this episode, but she's doing things physically to make you believe. Yeah. This is not an easy acting challenge. And I think that she's got the goods for it. Yeah. The next scene is her getting pinned in a hallway behind force fields after KOing another crew member. And then Tuvok finds her and she's like huddled in a heap, like a scared kid. Mm -hmm. Did I do something bad? She's still holding the phaser. (laughs) That's the fun part of this scene, right? Yeah. The kind of like way she lets it kind of wobble around in her hand so you feel like it's not in control at all is very (laughs) unnerving. It's really scary, yeah. (laughs) And you don't know if she's faking or not. Right. You don't think that I can tell the difference? No. Get out of here. I mean, I always just assume she's faking. Yeah. I mean, she would have to with you. Yeah. I think. But yeah, it's time to uh, get down to Six Bay. And uh, fortunately, Seven of Nine starts acting like a Vulcan just in time. So, Yeah. Useful personality swap. Yeah. Sometimes it helps. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So in Six Bay, Seven is able to articulate how confusing this is for her. She's hearing a bunch of voices. Yeah. And we get that shot of like a Borg thing in between. I think we like go to commercial and then there's a shot of a Borg thing and then we're in Six Bay. Mm -hmm. She's talking to them about, you know, all of these memory gaps that she has and and the voices that she's hearing, the kind of crowded nightmare voices. And uh, the doctor shows them... uh, a screen with like a bunch of different overlaid neural patterns. And they're like, this one's seven. And then all these other ones are other people. And we've, we've seen like cutaways to all kinds of Federation and non-Federation characters in Borg environments, presumably in the process of getting assimilated, very event horizon cutaways Mm -hmm. and a real smorgasbord (laughs) of species. Very much so. Yes, Ben. So she's full of people, and the doctor's saying, like, yeah, these are different people that she, like, presumably took part in assimilating, and they're, they all got incorporated into her when they got put into the collective. It's so interesting that this episode really puts out there that these are all people who were assimilated. Yeah. But also, these are people who died, you know? Right. Like, they died during the, the ship explosion. Yeah. Didn't they? Oh, you mean like they were on the cube that blew up? Or are these still living Borgs? I think that they just happened to be ones that she had in her head because of when and how they were assimilated. So, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was all over the place with who these people might have been and her relationship to them. Yeah, I think what you're saying is right. Yeah, but maybe some of them were on that cube. Maybe all of them were. Who knows? Yeah. I think that's kind of a missing thread to this episode is that like there is the trauma visited upon seven for what is happening to her mind based on what this device can do Mm -hmm. but like very little is made of how personally she could or should take this right you know i mean we (laughs) i think we talked at the end of the last episode about the like are the assimilations that happened when seven was a drone her fault directly or Mm -hmm. not Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would have been an interesting angle, like one crew member, you know, having some really strong feelings about that or something. Right. 
also like I don't know if you spotted this, but one of the people that like whizzed by in the like flashback that you know the like rubber sole uh-huh. uh, effect looked a lot like Colonel Kira to me. And I kept like oh. trying to like pause it just to see if it was Colonel Kira because like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> well, I mean, by saying that, that's an interesting point too because if we were to see a familiar Borgs in some way, right, we would then be able to confirm that these are not images of Borgs that died on that cube or Borgs that Seven had personal interactions with this is just a company-wide thing anybody that ever got a sim- yeah right like if they'd shown locutus yeah yeah you know in this little micro montage that would have been differently meaningful yeah like they show a part of locutus we haven't seen before mm-hmm. like really enjoying wolf 359 yeah like in an unusual way they show the drill going into the tip of his dick <laughs> And the single tear runs down his face, like, from pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that Locutus was into sounding. (laughs) Leave the arm, and also the other thing. (laughs) Beverly, while I was in the collection, (laughs) there was one unique experience. (laughs) I wonder if you could help me relive. (laughs) (laughs) Janeway and Tuvok start asking questions about the incidents that happened on the ship and Seven doesn't recall these No, and that is kind of scary not only is she suffering from these multiple personalities she's not remembering that she's doing it yeah she doesn't remember biting BLT she doesn't remember being the son of Kovac Mm -hmm. those are other people's experiences so yeah she's losing them Janeway uh, assigns the doctor to Seven as kind of a, a mind chaperone. I guess mostly to keep her safe, but also to keep everyone safe from her. Right. She's very clearly still a threat. Yeah, I mean, she's got tubules. Like, yeah. at any moment, she could start assimilating people. They should do that thing where, you know, if you're a professional football player and you you break a finger or something, they, they put like a, a club <laughs> cast on your hand. Oh, yeah. So that you can keep playing but right. you just play with the club. They should have a, a Borg's club <laughs> that they can put over her tubules yeah. in dangerous moments like this. It would look like that uh, that hand hyperbaric chamber that David Duchovny wears in Zoolander. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a hand model, mama. Those face and body boys would never understand. Neelix catches up to Seven in the hallway and he's like, oh, Seven, I heard you have multiple personality disorder. What a drag. Anyways, I'm like the morale guy around here. So if there's anything that I can do to help you or any of the other people in your head feel better, you just say the word. Multiple personalities, you say? Well, there's got to be a chance that one of them doesn't hate me. (laughs) (laughs) He also has a, uh, a picture of Voyager that Naomi drew for her. I wanted to hate this picture, didn't you? But I secretly thought it was rad. Like, great picture of the ship. Good color choices. I mean, if Seven had a fridge, it would for sure go up on that fridge, right? Yeah. Do you think the alcove is something you could use magnets on? Like, could you stick Naomi Wildman art on it with a refrigerator magnet? And would it stick? Is the alcove made of a ferrous material? They realize unintentionally that that's how you destroy a Borg cube. (laughs) It's just 
<laughs> many, many refrigerator magnets. <laughs> yeah, you're going to think from the perspective of the every state in the union that we've been, <laughs> been to. Attack them with a kind of undifferentiated uh, Scrabble square <laughs> technique. <laughs> yeah, there's no way they can target all of the words in this magnetic poetry kit. <laughs> Later on, the Doc and Seven inspect her regeneration refrigerator, Mm. and uh, they find some interruptions in her sleep. This is a lot like looking at your own sleep app. I've been looking a lot at mine lately. I had a bad November. Really? Oh, man. I had a good year, but like a noticeable dip in November, and now I'm I'm pulling back out of it in December. Trying to think of what major life change happened in November for you. Yeah. Weird, right? (laughs) What they confirm is that Seven has been sleepwalking and sleep logging. Yeah. She uh, walked out of her alcove and went berserk. And uh, she's recorded a whole bunch of personal logs, but they also have records of her going into the mess hall and eating the meats. So uh, (laughs) at least that crime has been solved. I'm sure Mr. Neelix will be relieved. The mess hall. We have the ginger. (laughs) You know what? A lot of people might turn their noses up at the mess hall, but you get five big ginger and cheeses Mm. in there. That's a real satisfying meal. Maybe eat a couple of them there and take a few home for later. It will work wonders for your motion sickness if the inertial dampers ever go off. Yeah, for sure. One of these messages was from the captain of the starship Pomba. And, uh, or maybe it was a crew member of the Tomba, but she says mm-hmm. that the Borg assimilated that 13 years ago. So I thought that the D was the first Federation starship to ever encounter the Borgs because of Q. Mm-hmm. Confirmed, right? But 13 years would have been way, way ahead of that, right? Yeah, I think so. But maybe some ships were lost in ways that they couldn't confirm. Oh, like a deep space gone missing kind of situation, like an event horizon. Where's she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. Maybe the captain of that ship set auto-destruct because the name of the ship is so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's just tired of correcting people who said, uh, permission to come aboard the Tombow? Is it Tombow? I can't wait to read the fucking mention. Um, actually, the Tomba was a great figure in history <laughs> because of all of these reasons. Mm. Where would you even read that mention at this point? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting mailed to me now. <laughs> so, so stop going to the mailbox, man. People want to say I'm doing a bad job at this show so badly. They're just sending me mail. They'll find you. <laughs> Actual mail. <laughs> Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. So they pull up on this thing in space that's called the Borg Vinculum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the theory is that it's trying to uh, reintegrate Seven into the collective. And she's like, well, if that's what it's doing, how about we beam it aboard so I'm closer? <laughs> And the captain's like, that sounds risky. Better beam it to the warp core to be extra (laughs) risky. You remember the best place to do experiments in Star Trek? We've sort of taken some time off from that. Yeah. But we're back, baby. (laughs) 
Yeah. And so beam it aboard they do. And this thing is grand. It is really big. It looks about as big as the warp core. Good set piece. It really is. Seven's proximity to this thing is making it even harder for the doc to keep her primary personality in charge. So he's got to like, he's installed like a, a Frankenstein knob in her neck and he's got to turn that thing all the way to 11. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Hey doc, how about you install a second knob? There's plenty of neck real estate there. Oh yeah, like one on the other side and then he could get it all the way up to 22. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. So they go about trying to disable this thing which I would have thought all you would need is just to shave it. <laughs> yeah, they they don't do that. No, but they discover that it's got a virus inside of it. The way they start talking about this organism being inside, I was like, if there's a fetus in this fucking thing again, <laughs> <laughs> they make another big butted Borgs. Yeah, yeah. They love seeing those Borgs that look like they got a Prius in their pants and- uh, yeah. And this is just one more opportunity. Yeah. Get a load of that Borg booty. But it's not a fetus. It's a pathogen. Yeah. It was put there by a species that Seven has encountered before w- during her time with the Borgs. Species 30, what is it? Six, 69, 69 or something like that? 6339. Nice. One crucial detail that we learn is that this species infected the cube and caused it to explode. Yeah. This is amazing. It sort of seems like this may have been like a bioweapon attack on the Borgs, but Mm -hmm. they don't know for sure. And uh, they're going to have to ask them specifically. There's coffee in species 6339. They may be able to help us treat you. But in the meantime, Seven dips into a Ferengi personality and wants to start offering bars of latinum for the screen in the ass lab. She's really in a bad way. She's she's starting to destabilize. And the doctor's like, yeah, I'm not really sure if we're going to be able to keep Seven's personality if the others keep bubbling up this fast. I didn't notice there was such a mid-Atlantic accent to Ferengi when they're trying to do deal making. (laughs) This is fun. Look at the size of that thing. Yeah. I wondered if they considered like looping her dialogue, but like putting like prosthetic teeth in her mouth for (laughs) what they recorded with that part just so that she would sound more Ferengi. (laughs) I mean, yet again, this could be so easily cheesy and bad if the actor asked to perform this way was not giving it 10 out of 10. Yeah. But like, this is not cheesy and bad. This this is made to be, like, if I were to direct you into a Marx Brothers impression, but also make it tragic. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what this is. There's <laughs> a lot of layers to it. It really is. She's She is really putting on a virtuosic performance in this episode in yeah. a way that, you know, I think that, like, the first two-episode arc that she was in really showed that she had a lot of range as an actor and it's nice to see them yeah making stories that take advantage of that yeah so they walk her to six bay with another great camera move around the room like a really smooth rising and falling and a rotating camera move around the space that sort of lures seven behind a force field that they put up on her yeah ferengi seven is is feeling pretty deceived here but yeah then Seven Actual comes back and uh, 
<laughs> they explain what happened and uh, again is totally humiliated. She's been occupied by a lot of Wolf 359 assimilees. Yeah. Ben, which is when you show up to Wolf 359 in a starship and you get assimilated like a person <laughs> or as another person <laughs> and so forth, right? Yeah. yeah. That's much better than assimilates, which is yeah. uh, just a somebody that's been assimilated that has a lot of foamy milk poured in with them also. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say an assimilates is like when you don't quite get assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> kind of riding that edge oh yeah yeah that can be very frustrating but in a zesty exciting way <laughs> <laughs> this is a moment where seven i mean i never thought this was an inconvenience this is clearly a medical problem that is serious and bad but seven goes really hard into the i don't think i can do this for much longer and you know what i mean by that right and I think Janeway here does great counseling work by going, you're a strong person. You can get through anything. I've seen you get through worse. Try to hold out until we can find a cure. Yeah. You know, they find out that the vinculum is just too tricky to shut down. Mm -hmm. Like the captain walks onto the bridge after this and relates having talked to like a whole bunch more secret personalities inside Seven. This is like one of the first moments of any length with Chakotay in the episode. He really barely does anything in this one. This scene kind of grossed me out because they're talking about Seven in that way of like, well, I thought she could be a great member of the crew and you thought she was shit. <laughs> what do you think about this now? And I'm like, guys, maybe you should take this conversation into the ready room. There are like people around here listening to you talk about what you thought of another crew person before yeah, you yeah. were able to integrate them into the crew. Harry Kim is like standing back there like, God, if they talk that kind of shit about seven of nine, what are they saying about me? Yeah, like out in the open. It's wild. <laughs> we get one of those scenes where we're bouncing back and forth between BLT's work on the vinculum and Six Bay, where Seven is twitching in response to all the work that BLT is doing. And the work starts to work on the vinculum, but Seven starts flopping around super bad, and they have to stop BLT's attempt to turn off the vinculum. And by the time we arrive back at Seven and Six Bay, it is just all personalities and not hers. Yeah, the doctor basically time of deaths this moment. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we've lost seven. Like, she's been totally subsumed by all the other personalities. So, bad news, guys. It is like an improv class with doors that lock from the outside in here, guys. <laughs> Can you please turn off my program? <laughs> yes, and I really mean you turn off the program. <laughs> she won't stop. Yes, ending. <laughs> She won't stop heightening. I don't know how much higher she can go. She's exploring the room again. <laughs> so they have another McLaughlin group. Issue two. It's a smaller, more intimate McLaughlin group. McLaughlin group by candlelight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're going to go try and get help from species 6339. But in the meantime... Tuvok wants to try a, a mind meld on Seven. And at this point, 
season five of Star Trek Voyager, I'm starting to feel like Tuvok is a mind meld hammer to whom everything looks like a nail. <laughs> Like, there have been so few problems that he hasn't tried to solve with mind melds at this point. Do you think he has a thing for lady minds specifically? Can you remember him melding with a dude? He's never done it. Not once. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's a fucking sicko. (laughs) And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? Do the math on this, Janeway. Get him away from the women of the ship. They don't like Tuvok's chances because this isn't just a one-on-one meld. This would be a meld where you're getting in there with a lot of minds all yeah. at once. Yeah. And Tuvok's like, baby, I'm the best at this. Yeah. I can deal with it. I'm only going to take out enough to win the meld. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something? <laughs> So they're like, well, let's put a pin in that. Uh, we got to go meet these uh, these aliens. So they go up on the bridge, and the ship is armed to the teeth, this species. And when they start talking to these dudes, they're, like, backlit. They're in very spooky outfits. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. They seem like real dicks in the way that people who have been traumatized by the Borgs often are. Yeah. They... Really want to talk about Huey Lewis in the news? Most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should. They have antennas that come off, like, front of their face instead of off the top of their head so that when the one guy gets up close to the camera, it, like, bumps the lens. I really love that part. Yeah. He's definitely a back sleeper, huh? <laughs> he has to, like, get out a microfiber cloth and clean it. So, oops, sorry about that. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on, 
when I could use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. He and his buddy beam aboard and he's explaining like, oh yeah, like this was uh, an attempt at retaliating against the Borg and it sucks that you uh, beamed the vinculum over here because it was supposed to be just left out there for another cube to find and then that Borg cube would blow up and then eventually they would just kind of like one by one take themselves out by beaming their vinculum. Neil Maffin plays this character, and he is absolutely bone-chilling to me in his performance. Yeah. Somehow, by the end of this, I don't know how he got to the point where I utterly believe that he has superior firepower, he has the will of what remains of his people behind him, their great sacrifice by volunteering to be infected and then getting themselves assimilated in the process— Like, his dark story is creepy, but his force of will in this moment and, like, his cold way of describing that Janeway is outgunned, overmatched, and really outthought here. Yeah. Like, there's a confidence that exudes from him that I was just totally taken by. This guy scares the shit out of me. Well, fortunately, this makes a really lasting impression on Janeway, who never again underestimates a species that has been all but eliminated and their uh, willingness to do almost anything to get revenge on the species that they blame for that. (laughs) When you put it like that, he is like so many other species, but... I like Neil Maffin's version. Yeah, I also really like the costume. Like, the loaf is kind of like... Standard issue, uh, we need a new alien this week, Loaf. But the Mm -hmm. costume is really neat. It's got like tubes of neon light and like, you know, there's the clear outer layer and the lights blinking under it and stuff. I really thought that was neat. Yeah. 
Yeah, we should see if one of them ever went up for auction and who won it. <laughs> I don't have that website open anymore. I, I had to close a lot of tabs. My computer was slowing down. I think we could probably make an assumption about who won that one and what ended up happening. <laughs> he was stating the obvious again. Back in six base seven is for the moment feeling like herself. And this came as a shock to me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was impossible. The rumors of sevens being subsumed by all the other personalities have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> She's just back. I guess they like did another damping field. She's back just long enough for them to ask for her consent about the mind meld idea. Yeah, which is important because they don't want this to come across as a third act of undiscovered country situation. Right. Where is the peace conference? Ah! They want it to be more of a, like, Picard and Sarek situation. Sure. Your courage honors me, Captain. The chances of success are pretty low of fixing Seven, and the chances of hurting Tuvok irreparably are pretty high. So Seven's like, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Have we ever seen somebody mind-melded that was, like, strapped to the bed? Yeah. Yeah, I don't love that look. Yeah, pretty, pretty terrifying. So he starts melding her, and she's, like, writhing, and then he's in the rubber sole Borg nightmare and trying to find his way around, and it's really crowded in there, all of these different characters, and it's, like, A-quad species and D-quad species. There's Banes in there. There's Bajorans. There's, like, anybody you can think of is is represented. The loaf budget on this episode was totally out of control. They clear the costume and makeup department here yeah it's really great i think i saw some of those dino species guys like yeah. the guys evolved from dinosaurs yeah it's wild yeah really cool i didn't see that one guy from uh, star trek prodigy that we were obsessed with though the that borg with the huge chin and the and the horns on his head <laughs> or stack of dinner plates borgs i like that guy right yeah where's that guy yeah i don't know this is a real riot scene. Like they're they're pawing at Tuvok. Yeah, they're pawing at Seven. They can't get to each other. Kind of shocking that the Borgs would assimilate the Vidians, right? Yeah. Is that just for their technology? Because it's like your cultural distinctiveness is basically dog shit if you're a Vidian. But I guess that would be helpful for the Borgs, right? You also need to assimilate the gross. Like, they're a part of the universe, too. Right, yeah. <laughs> the Borg are really open-minded when it comes to the gross. Yeah. Members of the gross community. There is very little change to what a Borg's cube smells like after you assimilate Vidian. <laughs> there's a really upsetting scene where there's, like, a little girl in here that's like, I want my mommy and I don't like it here, and Tuvok has to, like, ignore her and not help her because he's trying to get to seven but you know it's crowded and people are like holding him back and taking her away and then like he's like throwing people off ledges in there it doesn't to me make a very convincing case that Tuvok is actually doing anything because we cut away from this to the outside and there's like a there's a space battle going on between species 6969 and the Voyager. And so there's like bangers getting dropped on the ship. And then we'll cut down to engineering and BLT will be working on this new damping field that seems to be working better than whatever they tried before to turn off the vinculum. And that seems to like pretty much do all of the lifting in terms of getting Seven's personality back. You know? Yeah. Like, did you get the sense that Tuvok helped? Not really. 
Because they don't find each other until the crowd disappears. Yeah. Everybody dangerous has vanished by the time Tupac and Seven find each other. There's like a simultaneity to the solutions to both problems that yeah. make me believe that it's really BLT that made this moment possible. It is a big relief when when all of the aliens disappear and the uh, you know tunnel vision lens kind of dissipates and they uh, find each other. Yeah. Seems like Seven is going to be A-OK. Her processor is stable now. Her personality is back. BLT's like, well, the vinculum's useless. You want to chuck it out the window? <laughs> Janeway's like, yes. Lock onto the damn thing. Beam it into space. Yeah. Turns out that's all the, uh, the bad guys wanted this episode. They don't even care that it's off. I think they're going to be pissed to get a non-working vinculum back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, didn't their entire plan depend on a working vinculum? Yeah, but Voyager makes no warranties uh, on their eBay channel. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to have to worry about these guys. I don't know. There they go, making more enemies yeah. on their way back home. It's like we we jumped forward 10 years in our trip and we're already completely <laughs> in the wrong <laughs> at the first species we meet. <laughs> yeah. Why do I keep doing this? I thought that the Borg were way behind them, but uh, yeah. not so. In the button on the episode, Janeway tells us that Seven has spent a week in regeneration and her legs have got to be stiff. Yeah, man. Could you imagine? Seven is like, I appreciate the help of the crew, but if I could prevail upon you for one more thing, could you please make my charging pad a bed? <laughs> At least give me one of those standing mats that <laughs> the... People looking at receipts outside of Costco use <laughs> to make their shift more bearable. It's like, I don't really want to prove to you that I bought this stuff, but also you may have the worst job I can think of <laughs> because every single person you interact with all day long is an asshole to you in the way that I am tempted to be an asshole to you. So in the alcove, the doc pronounces seven cured yep. of all the voices. She's fit to return to duty. Those voices are still in her. Mm -hmm. She's just not going to be bothered by them any longer. Right. And then uh, Seven, in returning to work, gets pursued by Naomi Wildman again. But this time, uh, you know, with a, a slightly more explicit overture. And so Seven is uh, really making pals. She's going to teach Naomi Wildman about sociology. She's going to teach her about uh, star charts. It's going to be great. The script wants you to believe that this is a nice moment for seven and that she wants to be friends with a kid so that her, her personality can bloom a little more. Uh -huh. But the moment leading up to this is like seven trying to piece together how gratitude works for a crew that was willing to sacrifice everything to save her life. If I were a crew person and I saw her fucking around with a kid, like <laughs> playing board games or whatever, I'd be so pissed. <laughs> Get in the ass lab and make yourself useful. <laughs> Earn my thanks. Wow, Adam. Really charitable of you. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to learn Codiscat from Naomi Wildman. What is that? Like Vulcan Connect 4, basically? It looks like Upscale Connect 4. Yeah. Like, you know how you can buy really fancy Scrabble? Oh, yeah. This is like really fancy Connect Four. <laughs> like the raw materials, Ben, are really nice. I was visiting some friends in New York and we were in a vacation rental 
in the Hamptons. And we went into the Goop store, mainly to laugh at the existence of the Goop store. Did they have a Scrabble board that smelled like a vagina? They had like the wood, you know, handmade Scrabble board for $200. And I was like, looking at the $200 Scrabble board and the salesperson came around and said, hmm, love the price point on this. And started trying to sell me the Scrabble board based on how expensive it was. Whoa. <laughs> like as a positive. Yeah, yeah. You know, we wish we could make it more expensive, but we actually feel like this is very attractive for most people. I mean, when you're the salesperson at the Goop store in the Hamptons, I think that that's a pretty safe assumption. Damn. About your clientele, so... Yeah. I've never stopped thinking about that, though. So how does it play? Does it play the same as regular Scrabble? Yeah, it's dope, and it does, in fact, smell like pussy. You gotta pronounce your words with an underbite. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Bingo, Ben. I get to redraw my tiles. <laughs> I like this episode for Jerry Ryan a great deal. Yeah. As an episode, you really have to get with and believe that. I mean, this is another one of those choices. Like, could we destroy the Borg forever in this moment? Or do we save seven? Right. And I feel like that moment of truth slides by pretty fast, right? Normally there's like the camera racks in on the captain and she's like, this is the hardest call I've ever had to make, (laughs) but I'm choosing seven. Like it's not articulated like that at all. Yeah. And so I think you kind of miss the stakes a little bit. Right. And I wonder if the episode isn't better if there is a underline and a bunch of arrows and some highlighting done to the choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A vinculum like drawn over the choice. Yeah. Yeah, so in that way, it felt lower stakes than it actually was, at least in my mind. Yeah, because I kind of tossed off uh, reference to Species 6339 as the bad guys. And Mm -hmm. like nobody is more aligned with the the wishes of the Federation than them, right? I guess the Federation probably would think twice about, well, would they? I mean, like there's the debate, right? Like. I don't want to act like there isn't a controversy. Teach the controversy. (laughs) You've always said that. There's the Commander Shelby's of the world that would xenocide the Borgs. And then there's other people that are like, maybe that would be bad. I like that kind of Star Trek conversation. And they don't have that here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Seven is such an interesting opportunity, too. Like, they, they gloss over it. Like, yeah, she's now an individual. We liberated her. And they're like, well, we don't care about the idea that that could be done for the 11 billion members of our species that were lost. I feel like as a as a Star Trek fan, I, I was grabbed by the scruff of the neck and told like, that's not the important thing this episode. This other <laughs> thing is the important thing this episode. Yeah. And like yeah. made to agree. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting point. I, I really agree with that, Adam. I think that's a, I think that's the take on this episode. That's the... Official greatest gen take on this episode. Wow. I never have those. No, you do it all the time, buddy. Don't sell yourself short. Good job by me. Yeah. Great job by you. Well, I think we got a couple of takes waiting for us in the Priority One inbox, Ben. You want to see what those are? Let's do it. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Hmm. I'm just going to read the message, then we'll talk a little more about it. Okay. Message goes like this. Anybody who uses music to focus, try Connellcast, a podcast releasing a new album-length track of music every other week to help you center yourself and create. Wow. Connellcast has wide musical influences, but crucially... Each catchy, absorbing track is lovingly composed by electronic musician Connellrad to support your flow state. Art, coding, writing, whatever your work, with over 72 hours of music release so far, you're sure to find at least one track to help you unleash your creativity. I like this. So this is available as a podcast. Yeah. And uh, it's also available at connellcast.co.uk. That's C-O-N-E-L-C-A-S-T dot C-O.uk. Maybe our producer will have uh, laid that underneath this P1 message. Oh. That'd be a nice introduction for people. That'd be really neat. And hopefully yeah. okay, something that uh, Connell Rad is okay with. Oh, yeah. I think they'd be delighted by this. <laughs> Pretty neat idea. Yeah, I like that idea quite a bit. Uh, this is, of course, not to be confused with Cast, which is a right. podcast about Stephen J. Cannell and all of uh, his great TV writing work. You know, what I've been thinking of doing is making sort of a sidecar podcast to the Stephen J. Cannell cast, which is just a background noise sound of Stephen J. Cannell typing on his typewriter, like before he tears the paper off and throws it onto the pile. Yeah. Just just a 72-hour loop right? to help you get into a flow state. It's not nearly as good as Connellcast, mm. yeah. which is what this is, which is what we've been paid to talk about. Yeah, I think that uh, you, you do much better to stick with Connellcast at uh, right. connellcast.co.uk. I think Stephen J. Canalcast would probably drive you mad. The constant typing and so forth. Adam, our next priority one message is from Sam at Doubt Furious, and it's to Ben and Chris, and it goes like this. My only daughter, my progeny, just <laughs> turned 18, and later this month I turn 40. Wow. This is the only time we'll have landmark birthdays in the same year, and guys, I want to drink about it. Let's drink about it. Can you suggest a cocktail to pair with this once-in-our-lifetimes event? Adam, you can tag in for Chris since I realize this is actually a different podcast. <laughs> well, I'm going to suggest sex on the beach. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, wait, you didn't ask for the worst possible drink? Okay. <laughs> you caught me, Sam. I went for the joke drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm mm. thinking seriously about what this should be now. I feel like as an 18-year-old, I think we're going to assume uh, legal drinking age wherever you are at 18. Right. I was drinking straight trash at 18. So I think if you're trying to raise them right, 
What what evidence do we have that Doubt Furious is trying to raise them right though? Oh, you know what? That that's true. Yeah. So we definitely want something that tastes good and is extra sweet. Doubt Furious is not just a fan of the greatest generation, but also let's drink about it. That uh, you know. <laughs> I think tells us a lot about this person's personality. Can I tell you on my 21 run, maybe the only drink I remember having <laughs> was a surfer on acid. Whoa. And that is a, that's a really delicious drink, I feel like, for your beginning drinker. Yeah, okay. I'm going to look up the ingredients. I've never heard of this beverage before. Here go the recipes. So a surfer on acid is Jaeger. Coconut rum and pineapple juice. Wow. It's just so crazy, it might work. Yeah. I remember it being delicious, and that's about all I remember about that particular drink. I guess uh, that would make you father of the year. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) If you were able to make that one. Perfect suggestion, Adam. No notes. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. You made Let's Drink About It. You have to have a wreck. Um, Negroni Sabagliato with Prosecco instead of gin. God. Progeny's going to fucking hate that. <laughs> when was the first time you had a bitter cocktail? I was probably 40 when I had my first bitter cocktail. <laughs> Ugh, too bitter. I don't know if you know this about me, Adam, but I have uh, a long-standing affinity for bitter flavors. You've been 40 for decades. I, I, was, I was 40 when I was born. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Happy birthday, you two. Yeah, that's really awesome. And uh, great to hear from uh, from Doubt Furious. Doubt Furious has been with us for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 18 years now. Yeah. Ben, our final priority one message is from Anand. And it is to Ben and Adam. The message goes like this. I am writing to support TGG and also to notice specific time code Shimoda. In Voyager Season 5, Episode 7... 32 minutes, 7 seconds to 32 minutes, 25. When the alien walked toward the camera and we saw the crazy coat hanger antenna, I (laughs) laughed out loud. That, of course, was after we already saw their crazy neon light outfits. Yeah. I hope you had the same reaction. Love the pod. Yeah. I think on end is right. The American Psycho raincoats were, I mean, filled with neon. An even better look. Yeah. I loved them. That antenna was nuts. And the way that they shot the antenna, especially. Big fan of that. A big surprise because you can't see them when they're standing back in the frame. So it's like they shot it as if it were going to be a 3D movie that it didn't end up becoming. <laughs> yeah, it's like rewatching the original Avatar film to get ready for the exciting second installment, Avatar The Way of Water. And being like, what? Why does this movie look like this? Oh, it's a 3D <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, we as a film going society didn't get over that by then. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, uh, if you'd like to get a priority one message on the show, do it before you get over it mm-hmm. by heading to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Uh, this is a time code Shimoda, Adam. If you go to 32 minutes and 7 seconds when the alien walks toward the camera and we see his crazy <laughs> coat hanger antenna, I laughed out loud. Uh, that, of course, was after we already saw their crazy neon light outfits. I hope you had the same reaction. Indeed, 
an end. <laughs> yeah, that guy's hard to beat. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very effusive in my praise of that actor earlier. I just, uh, that character thought they were the star of this episode in the best possible way. Totally, totally. Good stuff. How about you? Did you have a, a Shimoda? Is that yours? Yeah, I'm going to take that too. Wow. <laughs> Can't do better than that. I mean, look, I think the obvious choice is Jerry Ryan. Right. But I also do not believe this was particularly fun to do. Yeah. I think because of the degree of difficulty, like you never want to look foolish as an actor. Right. And I think if you're reading this, you're like, I got to do Little Kid and Klingon, horny Klingon specifically. <laughs> and like all of these characters, what are the chances that I don't have the grasp of one of these? And what are the chances that that one is going to be the clangor that brings down the episode? This doesn't seem fun to do. And I think it's it's kind of a, I'm not going to say it's a miracle because Jerry Ryan is fucking talented and she's good enough to carry an episode in this way. Yeah. But I can't imagine it was a comfortable feeling to move through your work this episode and feel like, is today the day I blow the episode because I just can't quite do a plausible little girl voice with, without sounding unintentionally funny, you know? There was uh, that episode early on where the Vidians split BLT into her human half and her Klingon half. And I remember- and we had very similar thoughts about that, right? Yeah, and I think we even read something by Roxanne Dawson about feeling really nervous about splitting her character in two like that. And I wonder if it feels the same or really different because like two specific sides of one character that you've already played a bunch feels really different from like, 15 different characters that are totally different from the one you already play. Yeah. But both super intimidating acting challenges, I can imagine. I've got a quote here that could help elucidate this whole thing. What? We don't usually do this, but here's what Jerry Ryan said about her work this episode. Infinite regress was a challenge on a lot of different levels. It would have been a challenge anyway if you had two or three weeks to prepare for it, but I didn't. I had no research time. Wow. I was doing it by the seat of my pants. They were throwing tapes at me from episodes of Deep Space Nine that had Ferengis in them so that I could at least watch how they move and how they talk. They were throwing Klingon tapes at me because the, really the only Klingon I had encountered was BLT. <laughs> and that doesn't count because she's only half Klingon. Yeah. She joked at the end, I was about ready to murder Brandon Braga for <laughs> writing so many pages of Ferengi. Oh. <laughs> 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 Maybe we should just end those quotes there. Yeah. Wow. What a what a quote. But uh, amazing job by her, especially under the circumstances. You know, we didn't even talk about how little time there must have been to prepare for something like this. But yeah, you were saying really great stuff. I think maybe off mic that like this part of this season was shot super out of order. Like the episodes mm -hmm. didn't come out in the order that they were shot. So uh, it must have been a a really chaotic time to be on set. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, cheers to her for uh, really shining under that kind of pressure. Yeah. We got to find out about the next episode, though, Adam, and uh, that is season five, episode eight, Nothing Human. When an alien attaches itself to Balana's nervous system, the doctor enlists the help of a holographic recreation of an expert. Ha ha, esatto. <laughs> what kind of expert are we talking about here? The only way to remove this uh, parasite is jacking off. The way to focus <laughs> the mind. 
<laughs> oh boy. Ben, uh, I'm over at the Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker, to find out how we will be experiencing the next episode. Our runabout is currently on square 11, smack dab in between a The Caretaker square. Don't have to worry about that. That's behind us. The one directly ahead, one square ahead, specifically Coco Nono. Well, it's a good thing you almost never roll ones, Adam. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. See what I roll this time. Ben, I've rolled a three. Whoa! Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which has hopped us over the Coco Nono square onto a regular old square 14. Okay. Okay. Just managing to avoid all of the debris in our game. Yeah. Cruising right along. It's uh, the illusion of safety. It's uh, it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we're living like, you know, like the board game right now sort of feels like pre-9-11 America, man. Our show is unfunny at any speed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that'll be fun to get into next week. Uh, in the meantime, hey, do you enjoy the show? Have you made a New Year's resolution to support good things that you like and listen to every week? There you go. How about heading to MaximumFun.org slash join and uh, throwing us five bucks a month? Yeah. Five bucks is all it takes to keep the show running. Yeah. Maybe you uh, made a uh, New Year's resolution to get back into the gym. Maybe you're taking part in the Jim Shimoda community to uh, motivate yourself to do so. How about getting some of that Jim Shimoda drip by going to podshop.biz and buying like the gym bag and the gym pants and the gym t-shirt yeah. and the sweatband. I got myself one of those sweatbands. I'm riding I'm riding the Peloton bike with hashtag Jim Shimoda. There are hundreds of Jim Shimoda riders on Peloton. Ben. Whoa. Hundreds? Like, yeah. The numbers have really exploded over there. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it's banana cakes to me. Yeah. So if you ride Peloton, make that your hashtag, and you can ride with other people around the world on a leaderboard. That's really fun. It'll be funny to see at Cut for Time dead last on that leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've taken some time off, and I'm I'm trying to work myself back into condition. It's hard. <laughs> we got a few people to thank, in addition to the folks that support our show. Uh, we should thank Wendy Pretty, the production head over at uh, Uxbridge Shimoda. She edits this show. She keeps all the schedule stuff on track. She does so much administrative stuff that uh, that just makes this a smooth operation, makes sure that the episodes get to you on time every week. And uh, she is such a great combination of having the comedy chops to edit our podcast and make us sound way better than we actually do on the raw tape uh, while also hurting the cats that are Ben and Adam. Uh, we really appreciate her. It's up. Yeah. Changed our lives for sure. Got to thank Bill Tilly, our social media manager. He's one of the reasons it's so much fun to be a friend of DeSoto on the internet. Yeah. One of those great places we don't shut out nearly enough, I think, is the Discord at DrunkShimoda.com. That's true. There are hundreds or maybe thousands of people over there talking about every subject all the time. Yeah. It's really cool. Also, the uh, the Greatest Gen Wiki greatestgen.wikia.com if memory serves another thing that we don't shout out nearly often enough uh, if you ever want to dig into the antecedents of a running joke on one of our shows that is a great thing to consult 
Yeah, sure is. We got to thank Nick Dittmore, our uh, art director, and we got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made our original theme music. Check out his cooking show on YouTube and his podcast, The Adam Ragusia Podcast. I forgot the name of it earlier, but that's what it is, huh? It is. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where we are not really up to it comedically, so we uh, enlist the help of holographic comedians. And uh, that's, uh, you know, just as much of a problem, honestly, if Data, Data's experience is... a reference? <laughs> Yeah, I. It's just a long way of saying Joe Piscopo is going to be hosting the show next week. Wow! <laughs> instead of me or instead of you? Instead of both of us, it's just going to be the Joe Piscopo show next week. Enjoy. That's great. <laughs> I don't remember that square on the game board. Make it show. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.